Thank you for your prayers and your encouragement. I, as you can probably see, I'm doing so much better. I'm walking and, and uh, have more strength. And all the signs are looking good that I'm not going to have that uh, staph infection. So I hope not. And God's blessed me in so many ways. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for putting up with me in a whole different ways than you usually have to put up with me. Um, but I am grateful, and I'm grateful that you're here today, and I'm grateful to have the privilege to sit before you and to, to open the Word of God together today. Last Sunday morning, we uh, uh, began a series from the book of Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament, a great book about the ministry of Jesus carried on by the apostles and many other believers. And so today we're going to pick up in that series in Acts chapter 1. Uh, the book of Acts was written by the same man who wrote the Gospel of Luke, Luke himself. And uh, so when you read the beginning of both books and you read the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts, they just really seem almost seamlessly, I think, tie together. And uh, uh, it's, a great, it's a great book to study. I've enjoyed so much just kind of coming back to this book and studying it and reading it. And uh, uh, we've described it as a, the book that is the continuing story of Jesus, but in a different context. Jesus, as we will read today, ascends into heaven, and everybody might think, well, that means the story's over of Jesus, but no, it's not over. It's really only the beginning. It's the beginning of a new time period. It's new be a new beginning of God's revelation uh, in the early church, and uh, uh, the story of Jesus continues. Last Sunday, we focused on the first two verses of Acts chapter 1 and talked about the continuing story of Jesus and how he is the focus of the gospel. He is the focus of the plan of God and his words and his purpose and his life. And the, and the book of Acts is a continuation of that story. Also challenged our church family last week to read the book of Acts and spend time in uh, thinking about that. And 28 chapters, 28 days, I uh, have invited you and called you. Go on to that next slide, would you, Nate? Uh, 28 chapters, 28 days uh, in the book of Acts. And I just want to encourage you, as you have time and you, you make time and you give time to your relationship with God, that you'd have an open heart and an open spirit and say, God, speak to me through your word, through your truth. We believe in the power of God's word. And I believe that every book of the Bible and every chapter of the Bible has something to say to us. I don't always know what it is, and I search, and we dig, and we pray, and we ask for God's Spirit to show us that. But God's Word is, is, is beautiful, and, and we cherish it. And I want to continue, if you weren't here last week, just to challenge you as part of, of our church to give yourself in the next 21 days or so, especially to study in the book of Acts and Maybe just read it through when you have an hour to read the whole thing through and maybe to read one or two chapters at a time. I focused on the first eight chapters of Acts this past week and from the first eight chapters uh, I plan to preach from over the next few weeks and months and into the summer some of these great stories and revelations of, of God and, and uh, the movement of God in the early church. And this would love to invite you to, to read it with an open spirit. You know, uh, when you can just sit down and quiet yourself. I know how busy we all are, but if you can just sit down and quiet yourself before God's Word and open it up and read it, I think the book of Acts will bless you. It will cause you to go back and think about what, what was it like when Jesus went to heaven and what, 
What, uh, what, how is God going to work in the church? And so just want to invite you to the book of Acts in the, uh, in the next month. And over the next few months, as you're able to, as we will look at uh, a lot of stories in these first eight chapters of, of the book of Acts. Certainly the story of the early church, the beginning of the church, and uh, what we learned from that and how God moves and and we'll be focusing on the Holy Spirit and how important the Holy Spirit was in the early church and how important the Holy Spirit is to our church and to our faith and to our lives today. The Holy Spirit is so important to who we are as Christians and what we believe. I believe it has something to say to you and to me, whether you're young or you're old, I point back at me, uh, I believe that the book of Acts has something to say to this generation. And as we go back and hear it, God can show us a key verse that we talked about last week, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'm going to ask you this morning if you would stand, and we're going to sing that, and then I'm going to read the scripture from Acts chapter 1. Would you stand with me, and uh, would you sing this through with me? And just if we could ask, God's Spirit right now this morning to say, God, whatever you want to say to me, I'm, I'm listening to you today. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank you. I'm going to read from chapter 1, verse 3, through verse 11 this morning, continuing in this chapter. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist uh, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, and he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you. You may be seated. I read through this morning the ascension of Jesus and not thinking that we're going to actually get to the ascension of Jesus today, but I want us to be thinking about what it was like for those disciples when Jesus went into heaven. What did they think? What did they feel? Where were they? What is it that they, they believed and, and uh, the perceptions that they must have had when suddenly after all that had happened in the last 40 days, the, the arrest and death of, of their master and then the resurrection, and now he leaves them and goes into heaven. What was it like for them? 
Well, last Sunday morning in the first of this series from the book of Acts, our focus was on the importance of the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' ascension. And I want to continue and and think about that this morning. In the early church, remembering, recalling, and proclaiming who Jesus was, how he fulfilled all the law and the prophets and the writings, how he was the Messiah, was the message of the early church. It was to proclaim Jesus. It was to proclaim who Jesus was, what he said, why did he die, who he really was, So for the early church, knowing who Jesus was was absolutely important. Last week we talked about the teaching of Jesus and how vital that teaching was, not only from when he first called his disciples and he began to teach them in smaller groups and also in larger crowds and when he had thousands of people come together to hear his teaching. But you think, what was the ministry of Jesus in those three years? It was teaching primarily. It was other things too, but it was teaching. He was trying to convey the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he was trying to instill that into the disciples so that they would have that inside of them. And and then when Jesus went to heaven, the Holy Spirit would come and unleash within them the ability to communicate that and to teach that. Back in uh, chapter 3, verse 42, uh, in Acts it says, the first thing we read about what characterized the early church, the first thing is this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Think of that, how important that teaching was. It was absolutely foundational to the early church. So when we think about what should our church be, what should it be in the 21st century? What is it that should characterize our church? One of the things should be our deep desire to hear the heart of Jesus. What did he say? What did he mean? And how does he want us to live? Jesus was the master teacher because he was the way, the truth, and the life. The last chapter of Luke read a story a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night about how Jesus was walking along the road uh, to Emmaus with two men and how he was explaining to them all that was, uh, all that, that Jesus had done before they realized who it was. And it says there that he opened their minds. And then later on, at the end of the, the book of Luke, in the last chapter, again, when he was with his disciples on that evening of uh, the resurrection day, it says Jesus opened their minds. He was trying to convey to them who he was. That's the message of the early church. And one of the terms that Jesus used that I want us to focus on this morning uh, during the 40 days is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus used that term many times to describe something. It, 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 It exists so many times in the teaching of Jesus that I think it's worthy of us to step back and say, what does that mean, the kingdom of God? Why does God want us to be a part of that kingdom? What does that mean about how we live our everyday lives? This is verse 3 of chapter 1. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. It must have been very important to Jesus. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. I know we've all heard that term many times, but this morning I want us to think a little bit, what was Jesus talking about the kingdom of God? Why? How does Jesus want you and I to live in the kingdom of God today? We're part of the church. We're really a part of that same era, uh, time period as the early church. We're living the days of the church. 
And so Jesus speaks to us and he says over and over again, teaching us about the kingdom of God. You can also call it the kingdom of heaven. It's translated both ways. In fact, Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven mostly and Luke the kingdom of God. And we don't need to take time to talk about why, but both of those terms are describing how Jesus wants us to perceive our lives in the midst of the lives that we live and the culture that we live in. The kingdom of God was so very important to Jesus to convey to his disciples. He wanted them to think in terms of this this administration of, of God and God's will and the expression of God's truth so that those who belong to him will will perceive and see life through a certain lens. It was, I'm sure, for those early disciples and even, even through the ministry of Jesus, they heard it so many times they had to have wondered, what does he mean, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? It's like this emerging concept that was becoming more and more real throughout Jesus' teaching and And here in Acts chapter 1 and then in other places in the New Testament, the kingdom of God is so important. An emerging concept for them of that spiritual reign of God in their lives. Somehow we're to see life as Christians as God reigning over us and God's truth reigning in us and our decisions uh, focused on what Jesus taught, the principles that Jesus taught. Many of the Jews were looking for a kingdom so they, they, they understood when Jesus talked about kingdom, but it wasn't the kingdom that they understood. They were thinking of a political kingdom. They were also uh, often thinking about this kingdom that, that uh, was about Israel and about the Old Testament, about the kingship and, and all those things. But Jesus was talking about something else. Jesus was talking about a kingdom that was different than that and, and powerful in many ways, not a, not a spiritual or not a, a political kingdom. If you look in verse 6, in fact, the disciples asked Jesus a question. It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, but still the disciples are thinking in terms of a different kingdom. They're thinking of their country. They're thinking of their tradition. They're thinking of their their laws. They're thinking of, of how God had promised to Abraham, and they were living under that covenant. And so they ask, well, well, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about something else. Uh, this, this is Jesus' words. Listen to Jesus' words in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 33. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, for that is why... Uh, I was sent to preach. You think of all the things that Jesus said about uh, the kingdom of God. Well, 65 times in the Gospels, Jesus uses the term the kingdom of God. So you think, well, was it important to him? Did he have some concept that he wanted to convey? Of course he did. And another 20 times it's found in the New Testament, the kingdom of God. So Jesus used it often. It must have been important to him. I'm thinking of all the places that uh, he used the term, the, the, the kingdom of God. He did it in so many different ways. John the Baptist did before Jesus came. John the Baptist is the first one that uses it in the, in the context in the Gospels. And he says that that a new time is coming, the kingdom of God. Then you think about the parables of Jesus. Many of the parables of Jesus start something like this. 
What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed that a man plants. Or what shall I compare the kingdom of heaven to? And he speaks a parable. In other words, that was woven into everything that he did. He used the term in Matthew chapter 5, what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are those. Uh, and, and I think of the Last Supper. And uh, he uses it to, to say to them that the kingdom of heaven is here. I think of the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, uh, 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 will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was praying, he was teaching us to pray that this, this administration of God would be over our lives and in our lives and we would see it and think about it. You know, we think about being from Mifflinburg or wherever you're from or from Pennsylvania and we're Americans and, and all those things are kingdoms. But Jesus is reminding us how important it is to think in spiritual terms. The kingdom is important spiritually. God wants us to understand and seek that kingdom that, that uh, he brings to us and he wants uh, for us. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the, the will of my Father who is in heaven. Think about that. Enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's entering, it's understanding, it's living like this kingdom. There's so many passages about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus said, and I just wanted to read a few of them this morning to, to uh, call us to, to think about. Here's another one. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, asked by the Pharisees, well, when's this kingdom going to come? Jesus replied, the kingdom does not come with your careful observations, uh, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you, within you. You think of that idea, the kingdom of God is within you. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying there's something there. Pay attention to it, listen to it, focus on it. Understand that God wants you to live with his kingdom in mind. We live in the kingdom of Mifflinburg. We live in the kingdom of work. We live in the kingdom of marriage. We live in the kingdom of these relationships. But spiritually, there's something deeper and something else that God calls us to, the kingdom of God. One more in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the beginning. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Later on, he would say the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. And he would tell us to seek that and follow that with all that we are. I think we could say that the heart of Jesus' teaching centers on that idea of living in the kingdom. We talk about the things that he says and how powerful they are individually. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, the the Shema, the great law, to love God with all that we are and love our neighbor as ourself. And we think of other concepts of the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus' word as being powerful. All of them together give us this, this kingdom that God wants us to live in and to be a part of the heart of Jesus teaching sinners on that theme of the description of the kingdom of heaven. So how do we, how do we understand the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean? What words would we use to describe the kingdom of heaven? 
Well, I used a, a term a little bit earlier, the kingdom of heaven and the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was saying that I embody truth. I am the truth of God. John chapter 1 talks about that. He came full of grace and truth. In the book of Colossians and Galatians, we read of how Jesus is the exact replica of God the Father, of God himself. Jesus embodies that. And so when he teaches and when he gives us his wisdom, when he gives us his principles, when he gives us these things in our lives, he's given us a system to live by. And cherishing that is important. And I believe in the early church. It seems like when we read of the early church, we read over and over again of how everything they did was to tell people about Jesus. When Paul went on his missionary journeys, everything he was doing was to tell people about Jesus, how he lived, how he died, how he rose again, and how he taught, and what he called us, and how we have forgiveness in his name. Jesus is the embodiment of that. The kingdom of God is the embodiment of that. The way, the truth, and the life. Also, Jesus gives us these principles for living. Not that we should ever take for granted the parables of Jesus, for example. Every one of them are so true and deep if you take time to read them. And I encourage you to do that too. We had a series on the parables a few years ago. But just in every one of them, in their simplicity... If you just read the words of Jesus, you hear the wisdom of God. You hear the depth of spiritual things. You know, we hear a lot of voices out there, and they're about the kingdom of life. But God gives us this truth to help us to understand his kingdom and the way he calls us to live. And that's what I believe in the early church. They were focused on who is this Jesus and this kingdom that he has brought and he has taught them the heart of Jesus I believe that the kingdom of God helps you to understand a foundation for your faith. And I feel that about the, the book of Acts. Every book of the Bible has value for your faith. But the book of Acts, when you read it, and you hear the passion of the church. You hear the power of the Holy Spirit. You hear the purpose that Jesus gave to his disciples. Go and make disciples. First in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus is saying, take this kingdom with you. Be a part of the kingdom. Live out the kingdom and take this kingdom to the world. That's what God calls the church to be. God doesn't want the church to be this enclave of people that come into some building and, you know, we do church. We don't do church here. We do the kingdom of God when we go out. We do the kingdom of God when we're with the people that we have a circle of influence with. We're the kingdom of God when we interact with people at work and we, we interact with our family and in our marriage and our relationships. That's the kingdom of God and God has principles for every part of that. Don't think God just has a little bit of advice about certain things. He doesn't want me to do this or I have to do this. No, God's kingdom is saying, I have life for you. I have truth for you. I have the way for you. And if you hear my heart and you hear my words and you listen and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to, you, to speak to your heart, you will, you will live in the kingdom of God. It will be inside of you. And you will live it out and you will be my witnesses. What did Jesus tell his disciples before he went to heaven? The last thing recorded in Luke and in Acts that Jesus talked about before he went to heaven was this. That you'll have the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you. Wait for a time. And then you'll have the Holy Spirit that will come. And when he does... The Holy Spirit is going to show you. It's going to open up to you, and you'll have the power 
to witness. We live in that day. We live in the calling of the teaching of Jesus. And we also live in the power and the importance of the Holy Spirit. There's two other things in this text that I'm just going to mention this morning, but I'm not going to focus on. I'll go back to the first one. That is the importance of what Jesus told his disciples to do in waiting. He said to them, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Before that, he said, I want you to wait. In Luke chapter, the last chapter of Luke, wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. There's a power to the kingdom of God that is fulfilled when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that's where the book of Acts is going to take us in the next chapter, the power of the Holy Spirit, the importance of waiting and the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you, in the next week, in the next few weeks, will focus on and join me in searching out the Holy Spirit and His role in your life, in my life today. It wasn't just that the Holy Spirit had a purpose on the day of Pentecost, and it was amazing what happened on the day of Pentecost. It's an incredible mystery about the Holy Spirit, but the truth is the Holy Spirit God wants for my life and your life, and He wants that Holy Spirit to lead us in the kingdom of heaven, to understand, to hear, to proclaim, to witness to the Spirit of God. And so this morning I want to say as we close this service, I want to ask you to think about, last week I asked you to read Acts, through this month to read Acts. I also want to ask you to think about the importance of the Holy Spirit. As you read these stories, as you read what it was like in the early days of the church, ask God to say, well, what do I want for you in your life? How do I want the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life? And I believe that the power of God can do amazing things in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our witness in the way that we live out the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, there's something in my heart that dwells on chapter 1 in the book of Acts and the teaching of Jesus. And I don't know that I've ever really spent much time thinking about this aspect and the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. But in both the descriptions in the Gospels and Luke, the focus is on Jesus' teaching and the disciples listening and hearing and taking in and and learning what it meant, those prophecies from Isaiah and the Psalms. And, And it says in both of those texts that Jesus opened their minds and he explained to them from the, from the law and from the writings and, and uh, 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 from the prophets all about the kingdom of heaven. I pray, God, that we would see the Bible that way. We would see the, the beauty and the wonder of the scriptures. God, we wouldn't take it for granted. I just feel today that it's so easy for us to, to be so busy that we don't take time to stop and listen and hear what you say to us here. God, help us today. Thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the teaching of Jesus. God, I pray that we as God's people would would be devoted to that. We'd be devoted to listening and hearing and, and proclaiming. God, help us as a church to know how to proclaim it to our children, to our teens, to our young adults, to senior adults. God, 
that all of us would, would know how to, to hear and apply the teachings of Jesus. And Lord God, help us to understand the, the role of the Holy Spirit as we begin to look at the story of Pentecost, God, that we would understand how powerful your Spirit is in the early days, but in our days too, God, I pray. Help us to study that. Help us to search that out. Thank you today for the privilege of worship. Thank you, God, for each person that's here. Bless them and watch them and guide them, I pray, God. May, may your will be done in Mifflinburg as it is in heaven, I pray. In Jesus' name.